The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 27th College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Guadalupe's Mexican Grill kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. ND 21, Duke 14. Wow. Penalties, missed tackles, missed field goals, dropped passes, three for 15 on third down, and a team trying to recover from an emotion-sucking loss to Ohio State. But Mitchell Evans, Howard Cross the third, three of three on fourth down, no turnovers, and an ironclad will to win. Spin it however you like, but there is one thing irrefutable about where the Irish now stand halfway through the regular season. The Irish remain solidly in the national conversation, and they have a spicy buffet of game dishes still to navigate. The speculation all week that the Irish would be an angry team entering the Duke contest was correct, but that anger channeled into an unsteady performance Saturday night. It starts with 12 penalties, and they had the Irish taking two steps up and one step back all night long. The Irish have now committed 34 penalties over the last four games. This is a five-alarm fire. The Irish need to fix it. And for all the goodwill Spencer Schrader has earned for having a big leg, which has included kicking a school-record 54-yarder against NC State, he has only made 5 of 10 on the season. He missed a 37-yarder against Duke. This is a problem. Dropped passes is another issue that may not improve soon. With Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse out last week with hamstring issues, the Irish were threadbare at wideout. Chris Dyree and Rico Flores managed just two catches each Saturday, but could not find ways to consistently get open. Tobias Merriweather was targeted four times. No catches and two drops. And that brings us to Mitchell Evans. With six catches for 134 yards Saturday, Evans accounted for over 60% of the Irish passing offense. He has shown an ability to catch contested balls, and he runs like Iron Man after the catch. Evans is the best healthy pass-catching option the Irish possess. Defensively, the Irish missed too many tackles, but the play of the Irish defensive front, particularly that of Howard Cross, was impressive. And overall, holding Duke to just 14 points on the heels of holding Ohio State to 17 means the Irish defense is playing at a very high level. Good football teams win a lot of games. Great football teams will their way to victories even when they are not at their best. Last week, in spite of a cascade of penalties, miscues, and misfires, the Irish clawed back a victory from near certain defeat. And they are now halfway through the regular season. With challenges to come, USC lurks, Clemson lurks, and this week, it's on the road into an SEC environment against 5-0 Louisville. The Irish do have firepower, and last Saturday, they showed an ironclad will to win. But they also have plenty to fix. Guadalupe's Mexican Grill, now with locations on Illinois, Leo, and DuPont Roads, and in Georgetown Square. Guadalupe's food made fresh. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of IrishIllustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, 
and flight by Yingling. 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories. It's the next generation of light beer. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values, which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and expertise provide peace of mind for you and your business. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning, the full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! Flight by Yingling is the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass, raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling and Sun Incorporated. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Well, Tim Priester, another week, another frantic finish. It took me until Sunday morning about 8 a.m. before I was breathing normally for the second straight week. Describe the scene a little bit. Where exactly were you during the closing moments last Saturday? I know you were down on the field. What was your view like? And describe what you saw in the crowd reaction in Wallace Wade Stadium when the Irish stole a victory. Yeah, I was on the Notre Dame sideline, probably about the 10-yard line. And so, you know, Phil, what it's like down there. I mean, gen- a lot of times that's the worst seat in the house to see everything that's going on on the field. And, I, you know, I mean, going back to the fourth and 16 run by Hartman, I couldn't see all the open ground that he had in front of him watching the replay. It was like, okay, he had some room to maneuver, but I couldn't really see that on the field. But the one that the the game winning touchdown run by Audric Estime, yeah, I, he got he he went left first and kind of got lost in the crowd. And the next thing I knew, he was popping out of that crowd and sprinting to the end zone. And you know that crowd was really good. I don't know if we talked about it last week, but I wasn't sure exactly how loud the Wallace Wade Stadium crowd would be. They were very good. There's only it only seats forty thousand, but they were outstanding. And so it was a it was a significant home field advantage. They were great throughout the night, but Notre Dame found a way to prevail. You know, and you look at the last two games, Phil, and, and they didn't deserve to win both. They didn't deserve to lose both. They, they probably deserved to split, but should have beat Ohio State and lost to Duke. So it was all, it was topsy-turvy back and forth. I guess the best case scenario is that Notre Dame split and didn't lose two, but they didn't lose, they didn't deserve to lose two. They outplayed uh, Ohio State. Maybe it had been best, Phil, if they had, Beating Ohio State, and then uh, they got caught in an upset at Duke. It certainly would be, um, you know, more on their resume if they had a win over, I guess it was number six Ohio State at the time. I don't even want to think about how heartbreaking it would have been to come and lose to Duke. But uh, let's not, all right, let's not go there. We've It's been beaten to death all week long, actually for two weeks. Uh, but we do got to get into the game. And my simple analysis of what I thought happened to the Notre Dame offense overall Saturday won. Duke and Mike Elko, a terrific coach. We knew that going in. 
focused on and did a really good job of bringing a pass rush and stopping the Irish running game. I'm not sure how they did that, but they did. And especially runs up the middle. And two, they had bet that a threadbare Notre Dame receiving core uh, was not going to hurt them, and they were right. Therefore, for most of the game, the offense was ineffective. Anything you want to care to add to that? Is that about how it happened? Well, yeah. I, you know, I think, um, you know, Jared Parker caught a lot of heat for his, his play calling, and, we, and I talked to, to him about, you know, using Audric Estime running between the tackles extensively. And his viewpoint, Notre Dame's viewpoint, was that they were almost, you know, Duke was encouraging them to run up the middle uh, and, and trying to persuade them not to go wide. So Notre Dame followed what they thought should have been the blocking scheme up the middle and Notre Dame's interior offensive line was beaten. They didn't, they didn't play well. Duke's Duke's defensive line outplayed Notre Dame. So it was more, more that than anything that the, the offensive line just didn't play very well. And, you know, I mean, I think that they're, I think it's a one-off kind of thing. Back to back weeks, you've played top 10 defenses. They ran against Ohio state. They didn't run against Duke. Um, give the opposition some credit, but I think you're going to see a Notre Dame offensive line, line bounce back this week. Well, I certainly hope so. Uh, but let's talk about one of the big bright, in fact, maybe the only bright spot other than a couple of big plays made by the Irish in this game, Mitchell Evans, Evans, Tight end Mitchell Evans, everyone knows, accounted for 60% of the Irish passing yards. He had six catches, 134 yards. He's now the top statistical receiver for the Irish. It's kind of Michael Mayer-like. I'm not going to exactly go there, but it's kind of that way. Tim, what do you think of his skill set? Because he seems to be looking better every week. I do a story called Tale of the Tape um after the game for Mondays. And, you know, I, I flat out admit, I, I didn't think that Mitchell Evans had that type of athletic skill set. But, you know, you mentioned Michael Mayer. You could have you could have slapped a number 87 on him and you would have thought that was Michael Mayer. That's how productive he was. Two weeks in a row, he made a spectacular catch, a one-handed, uh, a little bit different in each instance, but he was, he was spectacular. He has great size. He gets separation. He catches the ball very well, except for the NC State game. If you remember, he struggled in that one. But he has come out of nowhere, and they, man, you want to talk about a time when they really needed him. Their their whiteout core was was uh, down to three, and they needed somebody to help. I would have thought, you know, again, the, the, the game plan, trying to get the ball to the running backs on the edge, but it sounded like Duke was trying to take some of that away from them. Um, but, you know, Mitchell Evans came through when they absolutely needed him. And the whiteout core was crippled going into that game. Yeah, they had to have him. And uh, I, I just, you know, the way he can win contested balls, I'm not sure there's anybody else on the team that has shown the ability to do that. And his ability to run after the catch has just been outstanding. And you mentioned tail of the tape, by the way. Required reading for me has been for many, many years. It is just a great weekly piece that you do every Monday on irishillustrated.com. Every Monday, I look forward to reading tail of the tape. Tim, we know about Audric Estime, but, and we know how good he can be and has been. 
but he was shut down for much of this game last week. Should we be seeing more of Jeremiah Love, though? He he brings a different dimension, and he's the second leading rusher on the team right now. Interestingly, he has the same yardage per carry as Estimate at 7.1 yards per carry. What do you think of getting more touches for Jeremiah Love? No doubt about it. I wouldn't exclude Jadari and Price, though, from that equation because – Although they're different runners, you know, I think you want both involved. I, I, I think both are capable of, of turning in big-time performances. We've seen Jabron Payne look good uh, between the tackles, short-yarded situations. So it's a great running back core. That's kind of how it felt, Phil, from the stadium that, look, this is not, a, this is not an Audric Estime-type night. Uh, and again, it goes back to the way Nordame's offensive line played and the, the the prowess of of Duke's defensive line. But uh, it looked to us like, yeah, it was kind of a Jeremiah Love kind of night, a little bit Jadarian Price maybe. And I think you're going to see both of them accentuate a little bit more. Um, but, you know, you don't want to – I mean, one game that Audric Estime is not really effective and it's we're already kind of replacing him a little bit. We were kind of during the game. But it just didn't seem like his kind of night. You need those other guys in there. Well, he certainly came through when he had to. That's uh, Audric Estime. But, man, every time Jeremiah Love gets the ball, I just think Ricky Waters. And I think we talked about that earlier in the season – and uh, he just brings a different dimension. Um, well, the defense continues to hold up their end of things, you know, only giving up two, uh, two touchdowns. Second week in a row, giving up two touchdowns. Of course, 17 total points to Ohio State, 14 last week. Uh, and Riley Leonard was held to just 12 of 27. This defense is 11th nationally in total defense, 6th in the red zone. That's a huge improvement over last year. 3rd in pass efficiency defense. And a big reason for that, Tim, is a little bit surprisingly not expected to be a strength of this team, but it's the defensive front. And Howard Cross third with the monster game. There, there was one outlet that named him the National Player of the Week in the college game last week. 13 tackles, 3.5 for loss, 1 sack. Uh, and a couple of forced fumbles. Apparently, he did this battling a sinus infection. Tim, that's one of the finest individual performances I've ever seen from a defensive lineman in a long time in a college game. So I want to talk NFL prospects for Coward Cross again. We talked a few weeks ago that the, the book on him is that he's a little too small, right? But, you know, he is the exact almost to the pound, same size as a guy named Aaron Donald. And Al Golden just says he's tenacious. Talk about Howard Cross the third in the great game he had last week. Well, he's tremendous. And, and, you know, normally his stats aren't so gaudy, but I think, you know, what he did last week was pretty outrageous for a nose tackle. Uh, he bumps to the three technique every now and then. But, yeah, I mean, he's tremendous. His get off is tremendous. That was his MO coming out of high school. We knew he was a little bit undersized, but not only a, a tremendous – uh, quickness off the snap of the football. But from the day he got there, everybody talked about his heavy hands and how he uses his hands and fists to get people off of him. And just it's it's incredible because it's play after play, snap after snap. He's effective, and the opponent has to account from, for him on every snap of the football. He's just outstanding. Yeah, he came into the media room afterwards and said, you know, he's pleasant like he always is when we – have an opportunity to talk to him. And he talked about having a sinus infection. He seemed fine to us. I mean, uh, it, it was just an absolutely dominant performance by him. 
And, um, you know, I, I selfishly, I'd love for him to come back for another season, but he needs to move on to the NFL. And I don't know if he's Aaron Donald, but he's an NFL football player. I know that. Well, for the record, Aaron Donald is 6'1", 280, and Howard Cross is listed at 6'1", 288. So he's actually bigger. Another lineman who's playing really great. Uh, transfer from Ohio State. He's just going to be with the Irish one year. Javante Jean-Baptiste supposedly just came in as a pass rush specialist. But you talked to him this week and, and wrote about him on IrishIllustrated.com. I think you agree that he has developed into more than just a pass rusher. Yeah, he really has. You know, his MO, again, was uh, as a pass rusher. And he didn't get a whole lot of playing time or opportunities at Ohio State to defend the run. Now, the level of competition there is great. And uh, he just never was able to emerge as a full-time player. But he came here, worked really hard. L. Washington, the defensive line coach, who had previous experience coaching him or at least being on the the same staff at at Ohio State uh, when their two tenures there overlapped. Uh, L. Golden says that L. Washington's been really, really hard on uh, JJB, and uh, but he's responded. Uh, yeah, I had a great opportunity to speak with him, and uh, he's come a long, long way, and I think has made himself as well a le- legitimate NFL prospect. He has great length. He's very, very difficult to keep blocked, and he's gotten better and better. He had he had an eight tackle game against Ohio State, his old team, which. For a defensive end is an awfully big number as well. That is a big number, and he has really rounded out his game. Uh, and is, I think he's benefited clearly from working with this coaching staff. Tim, uh, obviously the Irish are running a gauntlet schedule-wise, and how they are holding up emotionally is is hard to figure, frankly. Kind of need a buy right now, but they still got two more games before that's going to happen. Three straight undefeated and ranked opponents, and next week likely is going to be another one. USC's uh, lurking. Tim, where does this stretch of, of ranked teams stack up historically? Well, it reminds me of really in, in some of the best years for Lou Holtz were some of the most difficult uh, schedules that he faced. I know in 1990 when they played 11 regular season games in a bowl game, so a total of 12, seven of those 12 opponents were ranked and five of them, I believe it was five, were in the, the top 10. So, yeah, I don't uh, – I know they played four in a row, four ranked teams in a row that year to end the season, including the bowl game against number one Colorado. But, yeah, this kind of streak – when does when Michigan plays their first ranked team in the third week of November or something? Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a tough run. Louisville just made the top 25 based upon moving to 5-0. and But it's – you know, it wears on you, and this will be the seventh game in a row that Nardin's played seven weeks in a row, and USC will be number eight. So it's a tough stretch. Um, they have a they, they do have a great opportunity though this weekend to come away with a win and and um, and hold serve at, at home under the lights, Nardin Stadium against USC. Yeah, that that's that's exactly where the Irish need to go. I I did a quick search of the media guide last night. 1986, the Irish finished that season, Lou Holtz's first year, against number three Penn State, number eight LSU, and number 17 USC. 
That's a gauntlet. The Irish also played that season number three Michigan and number two Alabama earlier that season. I wonder if Lou knew they were that was what his schedule looked like when he took the job at the end of the eighty five season. And then I went back a little bit further and came up with this one. The nineteen sixty three team played three top ten teams, two of them top five. They played number four Navy, number eight Pitt, and at number four MSU. So some great history there. And the Irish are making more of it this year. Tim, one quick hit. I've had a lot of questions uh, this week about the review and reversal of the ND punt that had been marked out at the one yard line, but then was moved after the reversal to the 20 yard line. Did Marcus Freeman get clarification on this? Yeah, they shouldn't have over. They shouldn't have reviewed it. They shouldn't have overruled it. I didn't. I thought it was too close to call to begin with. I know it kind of looked like it went over the pylon, but I didn't think that it was indisputable. So anyway, you look at it. Uh, the refs didn't do a great job with that one. Right. And that was the, you know, what almost was the game-winning drive. They started Duke started at the twenty instead of the one the half yard line and that was a significant call that went against Notre Dame yeah and it was just a flat out mistake uh it's not a reviewable call it was close enough that I don't think it should have been overturned anyway but that's maybe my biased view uh and that ensuing Duke drive resulted in one of their two scores uh but I think in in Marcus Freeman's words when they he talked to the ACC about this play he said they owned it so that's to their credit. Thanks Tim. Coming up it's the all-time Irish hero key to an Irish victory injury report and the world famous Irish illustrated prediction. And during the break it's the fighting Irish fact of the week brought to you by Ron Wise and the Wise Insurance Agency. This is the 388th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. This is Art Salzburg. I don't speak for a lot of companies, but Sharon McCulloch is a firm that provides a great and much-needed service. As Sharon and I get older, we've been thinking of moving, but frankly, the thought is somewhat overwhelming. That's where Sharon McCulloch comes in with a full-service plan that takes the pressure off. Listen to this. Sharon McCulloch will sell your house, auction the items you don't want to take, then pack everything else and move you. In sports terms, that's a blowout win. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They'll get top dollar for your special treasures. Sharon McCulloch is highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms, plus their AAA with the Better Business Bureau. Call them at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. They'll make your moving experience easy and profitable. Sharon McCulloch. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the Wise Insurance Agency. The 13 tackles that Howard Cross amassed against Duke last week is the most in one game by any Power 5 defensive lineman this season. Call Ron Wise at the Wise Insurance Agency or go to thewiseinsuranceagency.com and get an auto or home quote in less than five minutes. Flight by Yingling. It's the next generation of light beer. For those who don't follow trends, but craft them. Flight by Yingling is 12 ounces of uncompromised refreshment from America's oldest brewery. With only 2.6 grams of carbs and 95 calories, this is premium refreshment six generations in the making. Don't just raise a glass. Raise the bar. Flight by Yingling. Available wherever beer is sold. DG Yingling & Son Incorporated. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Please enjoy responsibly. 
Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. This is Fighting Irish Preview. The 10th ranked Irish are on the road against number 25 Louisville this week. TV coverage on ABC starts at 7.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, Vanderbilt, and Premier Pontoons. New and previously owned, we share your boating passion. And this season, we are focusing on the best defensive players of the last 20 years. So far, we have talked about Harrison Smith, Manti Teo, Jalen Smith, and last week, Drew Tranquil. This week, Aloe Gilman. Gilman was born on the island of Oahu in Hawaii. He starred for Polynesian powerhouse Kahuku High School and then headed off to the Naval Academy. During 2016 in Annapolis, he started all 12 games and was a standout performer. He played particularly well in a 28-27 upset win over Notre Dame, notching a team-leading 12 tackles. Endy remembered that performance, and when Gilman decided to transfer before the season, Brian Kelly came calling, and Gilman moved to South Bend. He sat out the season, as was required by the NCAA in the pre-portal days, but did make an impression on the ND coaching staff that year as he was named the ND Scout Player of the Year. In 2018, Gilman stepped right in and started all 13 games. He quickly established himself as a force on the field with his competitiveness and instinctual play. For the year, he notched 94 tackles as the Irish fought to a 12-0 regular season. Gilman saved his best performance for the college football playoff that season against Clemson when he recorded an amazing 18 tackles. A vocal and popular player, he finished out his ND career in 2019, serving as captain, and again started every game. He turned in another excellent season with 74 tackles and three forced fumbles. Brian Kelly referred to him as, quote, one of the most inspirational leaders in our locker room. Gilman declared for the 2020 draft, and his NFL scouting report caught the essence of his style of play, quote, competes hard on every snap, quote, hard downhill trigger, and quote, pursues like a wild man, were among the superlatives used to describe him. Tim Gilman was an excellent leader and played with a sense of wild abandon. He just loved the way he played the game, attacked the game. You know, I got to know his dad pretty well during his time there. And you start to learn a little bit about the Polynesian Samoan culture. And there's just such a level of of tough, toughness and commitment to excellence. And I, I mean, it was he, when he teamed up with Jalen Elliott on the back end of Notre Dame's defense, you know, they didn't necessarily, they didn't always uh, accumulate huge numbers. Gilman's were pretty good, but uh, you know, I think it was reflected by the way teams stayed away from those two safeties, especially Gilman because he broke on the football so well. Just, I mean, if you asked me to, to describe him in one word, it would be, it would be tough. It would be toughness because he had an abandon to playing the game. And it's um, it's it's just what you want to see, just the kind of attitude you want in a Notre Dame football player. Yeah, it's particularly at the safety position. That skill set he had was perfect for that. The L.A. Chargers selected him in the sixth round, primarily a special team standout at first. Now in his fourth season, he has worked his way into the starting lineup for the L.A. Chargers at free safety. Aloe Gilman, another Marina at Lake Gage all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. 
And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. Louisville is 5-0. Head coach Jeff Brome came over to his alma mater from a solid stint at Purdue after last season. While at Purdue, Brome earned a reputation for upsetting top three teams. He did it three times, taking out number two Ohio State in 2018, number two Iowa, and number three Michigan State in 2021. Last season's the Cardinals were eight and five, and last week they knocked off ND opponent North Carolina State on the road, thirteen to ten. They also own wins over Georgia Tech, Murray State, Indiana, and Boston College. Louisville will have a quarterback that Notre Dame fans should be familiar with. It will be the third straight year Jack Plummer will have started a game against ND, and each time it was with a different team. In 2021, Plummer started for Purdue in a 27-13 ND victory, and last year Plummer was at Cal when the Golden Bears lost to the Irish 24-17. This year he is completing 64% of his passes and has thrown 11 TDs and 6 interceptions. Plummer is not really a run threat, and he has been sacked nine times on the year. The Cardinals are 21st national in scoring at 37 points per game and 11th best in total offense, and they have multiple weapons. Their top threat at running back is Joar Jordan, who is averaging 7.7 yards per carry and has scored seven TDs. At wide receiver transfer from Georgia State, Jamari Thrash has been sensational with 22 catches for 444 yards and five TDs. The Cardinals have been solid on defense, excellent in the red zone, and 24th overall against scoring. They give up just 17.2 points per game. Last week, the Cardinals limited NC State to a paltry 201 yards of total offense. The most potent player on the defense may be edge rusher Ashton Gelati, who Marcus Freeman this week singled out as possibly one of the best edge rushers the actual face all year. On the year, Gelati has five sacks. Starting at 5-0 in 2023 is not a huge surprise when judging the strength of the Cardinals' schedule to this point. But Louisville under Brome looks to be trending upward. In the offseason, they upgraded with 24 players transferring out and 25 transferring in. They also have a solid fan base that will turn out Saturday night and be loud in LNN Federal Credit Union Stadium. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory? Well, they have a ton of weapons. There's no doubt about that. Jack Plummer has any number of four or five wide receivers he can get the football to. And Joar Jordan is a quality running back. I think it starts very simply with Notre Dame has to have the ability to stop the run. If they stop Joar Jordan, he he had 16 carries for 32 yards last Friday against NC State. They ended up winning 13 to 10, but that obviously is what launches their uh, their offensive attack. So it starts with uh, it, first and foremost, and, and Marcus Freeman said this, Notre Dame has to make them one-dimensional. They have to stop the running game. All right, stop the run. And uh, judging from what happened last week at NC State, it can be done. And that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage key to an Irish victory. And Tim Priester, who is this week's Aspen Mortgage key player for the Irish? Well, going back to the other side of the ball, we talked about him a little bit earlier here, Phil. I think that Jer- I think Notre Dame's going to make a, a point of getting the football in Jeremiah Love's hands. Certainly, Audric Estime has to get his touches, and I mentioned Jadarian Price as well as is a is a key man in the rushing attack. But I think it's Jeremiah Love get him on the, the edge. Uh, somebody has to be able to match what Louisville can do with the big plays. Louisville's among the nation's leaders in 20, 30, and 40-yard plays. 
Notre Dame needs to see if they can break a couple themselves, and Jeremiah Love is a great choice for that. Okay, look for Jeremiah Love to maybe break out this week, and he is your Aspen Mortgage key Irish player this week. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the injury report brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy, your choice for physical therapy now with 22 Indiana locations. Tim, how are the Irish health-wise going into Game 7? And I hear they're a little more healthy than they were last week at this time. Yeah, when we when we talked last week, we didn't know about Jaden Greathouse missing the game with a hamstring. Irish Illustrated broke that story in advance of the kickoff. But, yeah, it's all good news, Phil. Jaden Thomas and Jaden Greathouse, two wide receivers are expected back. Now, they're both coming off hamstrings, so those can be a little bit tricky, but they are both expected to play. And Eli... Two guys that was that should be making their uh, season debut, Eli Raritan, the tight end who's coming off a second ACL injury, which is important as Notre Dame continues to look for whiteout type players. He can play to the boundary side. And Nolan Ziegler, who's been out all season for uh, for personal reasons, is, is expected to travel to Louisville. Probably special teams. I'm not sure that we see him at linebacker, but probably a, a little bit of st- special teams for Nolan Ziegler. That is just great news, and uh, we're not listening to any new injuries this week either. Thanks, Tim. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report, and it's now time for the world-famous irishillustrated.com prediction brought to you by SES Environmental. Need help navigating environmental risk and with regulatory compliance, you need SES. Look them up at sesadvantage.com. Tim Priester, Vegas says the Irish by six. What does America's foremost authority say? A ton of weapons for Louisville on the offensive side of the ball. Jack Plummer isn't somebody that scares a whole lot of people just based on his abilities as a quarterback, but he has a quality running back in Jawar Jordan. A bunch of receivers, Jamari Thrash, Kevin Coleman, Jimmy Callaway, Jaden Thompson, Amari Huggins, Bruce, Chris Bell. These are all guys that have contributed to uh, their mark of um, being among the nation's leaders in 30 and 40 yard plays. I tell you, Phil, I love Ashton Gelati, the defensive end for them, as well as uh, Stephen Harry, who came from Stanford. They've got some capable defensive players, but I think at the, by the end of this game, Phil, it's going to be apparent that Notre Dame was the better and stronger team along the offensive line and defensive line. And so because of that, if Notre Dame can be fresh, you know, after these tough games that they've had, I think they're going to play a quality football game and win it at the line of scrimmage. I have Notre Dame 38, Louisville 23. 38 to 23 in favor of the Irish. That is Tim Priester's world famous irishillustrated.com prediction. Tim, I think the Irish are going to be determined to clean some things up from last week. And I think they'll do it. I think this is a team they can do it against. Their defense is going to keep the score down. They have a pretty significant advantage at the quarterback position in this game. And they're going to get those ailing receivers back. Notre Dame 31, Louisville 20. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish. And thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Brett Rump, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. For more Fighting Irish Preview, check out FightingIrishPreview.com and also listen to and subscribe to our podcast, available on all podcast platforms. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media.